Hello, folks. Welcome to Notoriously Episcopalian, a podcast of sermons from me, Kelly Hudlow, an itinerant Episcopal priest in Alabama. Thanks for listening. This is a sermon for the second Sunday of Advent, December 4th, 2022, offered at St. Barnabas Episcopal Church in Roanoke, Alabama. The principal text for the sermon is Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, the introduction of John the Baptist baptizing in the wilderness. May I speak in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. There is a real temptation this time of year to just sort of race through this part of the liturgical calendar, right, to to get through Advent and on to what we really want to celebrate, which is Christmas and the coming new year. And this past year, right after Thanksgiving on Black Friday, when everyone else was crowding into stores, I watched my neighbor across the street, Rachel, begin her Christmas preparation. So not even December, we're not even to Advent 1. And she is already getting ready for Christmas and by the end of the day, there was a large inflatable snowman like on her front porch. There was garland hung with care, her tree was up, her stockings were hung and she was ready for Christmas to come. Then just this past weekend, when I was standing with my neighbors looking at their yard, which now, not to be outdone by a large inflatable snowman, now included bows on the bushes and light-up candy canes, an inflatable goat wearing pajamas and a Santa hat, a polar bear, an inflatable Santa, and lights put on anything that would stand still long enough to have lights put on them. As we're standing there admiring the scene, Rachel, the same neighbor who who got ready for Christmas right after Thanksgiving, tells us, just as though it's the most normal thing in the world, that she has already finished preparing all of the baked goods and candies that she puts out around Christmas and has stowed them safely away in the freezer to be on standby to be taken out when she needs them. She might be the most prepared person I have ever met for Christmas. But we are still in Advent. And she will listen to this sermon probably this week and go, Kelly, you put me in your sermon talking about how ready I was for Christmas. And I will say yes, so I could make the point that we are still in Advent, even though the whole world around us wants us to race towards Christmas. Our readings this morning talk to us about what sort of preparation that John the Baptist thinks that we should be doing, getting ready for this new season of the church here. Last year, our readings, right, in the Gospel of Matthew began with the end of the story, capital E, end of the story, and the Gospel pointed us to Jesus' final coming to us, not his coming to us at Christmas, but the coming of Christ in glory and the fullness of the kingdom of God, right? So we started our church year, we started the season of Advent, knowing what the end of the story was going to be. And now this week, 
we move back in the story chronologically, right? So we're in an earlier point in time. Last week, Jesus was, was preaching about the destruction of the temple and the coming of the fullness of the kingdom of God. And this week, our lectionary puts, presses the rewind button and takes us back into the wilderness with John the Baptist announcing the coming of Jesus' earthly ministry. Not his birth, but the beginning of his earthly ministry. For the gospel writer, Matthew wants us to understand that Jesus' whole life, from his birth, which we'll hear more about in a few weeks, to his ministry on earth, to his death and resurrection, that all of that makes up the big end of the story that we heard last week. For Matthew, the eschatological event, if you want your $5 theological word, or to put it in a noun form, the eschaton, began when Jesus was born. And so that that means that the church and us, right, are living always in the new age of the kingdom of God in breaking into the world. And that it begins with Jesus' birth and includes his ministry, his death, and his resurrection, not just his triumphant return at the end of the story. And the way Matthew tells us that the end is beginning now is he gives us John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist appears in all of the Gospels, right? And so this is always at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And so we need to pay attention to why John is here. And John's presence marks the beginning of Jesus' ministry as being part of the eschaton because John is out in the wilderness, He is dressed in camel hair. He is eating locusts and wild honey. And all of this to Matthew's readers would signal that John is the return of the prophet Elijah, who was supposed to come back to the people of Israel before the Messiah came. And so all four Gospels mark the beginning of Jesus' ministry with an appearance of John and But even though John is important, and we know he's important because he shows up in all four, the focus of the story is not John the Baptist, but instead is to who he is pointing to. John in Matthew tells us that one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. In Matthew, probably more so than the other Gospels, John and Jesus have almost the same message. They're talking about repentance and the coming of the kingdom of God. And that both of them are calling for people to be baptized. But in comparison to each other, when we put John the Baptist and Jesus in relation to each other, what we realize is that John is telling us how we should understand what role Jesus is to play in this grand story. John tells the religious leaders that show up, right? He's out in the wilderness. He's causing a scene. People are showing up from everywhere to get baptized. And he's gotten noticed by the Sadducees and the Pharisees who come out there to either just see what's going on or to tell John to stop making such a fuss about things. And when John sees them, right, he says, Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. And every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is to be cut down and thrown into the fire. John is warning that judgment is coming for the people of Israel. But he is pointing to the fact that he is not the judge, but that Jesus is. John baptizes with water 
When people repent of their sins, this sort of surface cleansing that we think of when we take a bath and come out and we've washed our hands and our face. And, but Jesus, John tells us, is going to come and baptize with something more. Jesus is going to baptize with fire, which is going to remove from us forever, just like when you, when you put metal through a refining fire, what's unwanted and impure. Now... You probably, on December 4th, as the rest of the world already has Santa in their front yard, don't really want to hear about judgment. And generally, all year round, we are pretty uncomfortable with the idea of judgment. But for Matthew, judgment and salvation are linked. You can't have one without the other. If we pray for a God that is going to restore justice to an unjust world, then we have to be willing to accept a God that is going to judge that world as being unjust. If we are to be saved from our sin and liberated from oppression, then we have to be willing to accept a God that judges us as sinful and is willing to forgive and that judges our world as not being in accordance with God's will. We want to avoid judgment because it is uncomfortable and it is painful. But for Matthew, to meet and know Jesus is to be judged and saved at the same time. Knowing this, John tells the people to prepare for this judge that is coming, that now is the time to repent, to turn away from their current life, to turn away from the things that are distracting them from God, and to begin life anew. When we hear the story of John the Baptist in the Gospel of Matthew, I think given sort of the three different places we can stand in the story, John is inviting us to perhaps three different ways that our response might look this Advent. First, you might find yourself standing with the unnamed crowds that have come out to the wilderness to hear John's message. Maybe you are at a point that you need to hear someone calling you to change what you are doing in your life. Really, this is every Christian all the time. This is why we come to church every week, is to be drawn together in community and to hear a message that challenges us to think differently about ourselves and the world and open ourselves up to a fuller and more deeper relationship with God. We're all called to prepare for the coming of Christ through repentance and confession. That's why confession is part of our liturgy every Sunday. We're called to open ourselves up and to not be afraid of the judgment that Christ offers, but open ourselves up to the transformational judgment that comes through Jesus Christ that then allows ourselves to be changed. Maybe for some of us, we find ourselves standing uncomfortably with the Pharisees and the Sadducees who have decided that all of this sort of ruckus that's happening out in the wilderness is not in good order and that maybe it needs to calm down. And so we come out there and we hear the words from John the Baptist that challenges us in a very specific way because as leaders of the church, we stand convicted of perhaps diluting God's gospel a little too much, of making it a little too comfortable and avoiding words of judgment and challenge that we should be offering, that we've somehow turned our faith in God into something that makes us feel better, but never lets us feel Christ's salvation. And so we might hear in this moment, how do we as a church community need to repent? 
How do we need as a church to open ourselves up to change and to be changed by Jesus Christ? And finally, if you're brave enough, you might find yourself standing in the waters of the Jordan next to John the Baptist. Someone that is there exercising a ministry to call people into a life of repentance and preparation. Someone that is brave enough to speak difficult words to the crowds and to the leaders in order to prepare them for what is to come. John does this not to keep people away from Jesus, right? But to let as many people as he can find their way to Jesus, right? The unnamed crowd, John doesn't turn any of them away. He baptizes all of them. And if the Pharisees and Sadducees asked for it, he would baptize them too. John is doing the work of repentance and inviting those into that work to be transformed by Jesus. And the church as individuals, right, the church collectively and as individuals are called to continue the work of John the Baptist. And this means that at times we are critical of the world and our church, but we do so to preach and serve so that the world might know the saving love of Christ. Often during Advent, preachers stand in their pulpits and caution the members of their congregations against moving too fast to get to Christmas, right? Hold back on putting up the tree. Maybe hold back on the garland. Make space for sort of this holy liminal time that is Advent, which is not necessarily about the coming of baby Jesus and is more about the coming of Christ at the end of the world. And we preach this and we invite people into this and oftentimes we are summarily ignored. And so this year, as I consider my neighbors, right, who have put up these wonderful decorations even before Advent starts, I wonder if the better message, sort of keeping in line with John the Baptist, is to say, well, where you are now, if you're going to prepare for Christmas, why don't you prepare for Christmas the best you can? Prepare to offer hospitality to friends and strangers Prepare to share meals with family members that have different opinions and viewpoints than you. Prepare to experience reconciliation, right, of people coming home or loss, remembering those that are not there any longer. Prepare to give and receive gifts out of love. And prepare to share joy and celebration. Prepare all that so that you are ready for Christmas. But then take a moment and consider how you could take that same preparation and turn it towards yourself. What is the spiritual work that you need to do? What needs to be turned away from or turned off to make more space for God? What do you need to turn towards and pay attention to? How can you make space for Jesus in your life right now? How can you prepare to receive and give reconciliation and love? And finally, in this Advent season, what can we do to prepare now to greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer? Amen.